Hello, friends, and welcome to the Juicy Box Podcast. This is episode 1058. Hey guys, let's get right into it. Janet's 54 years old. She has type 1 diabetes, diagnosed at 37. Now, what else does she have going on? She developed cold verticordia at age 4, vitiligo at 9, and stiff person syndrome after the birth of her child at around age 30. What a story. Settle in and remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Are you looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series? It runs between episode 1000 and 1026. Would you like to save money? Oh, okay. Well, then here's a couple things you could do. Use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout at CozyEarth.com. That'll save you 40% off your entire order. And if you use my link, drinkag1.com slash juicebox to get going with AG1, you'll get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Don't forget to check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. All are welcome. 43,000 members strong. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom. When you use my link, dexcom.com slash juicebox, you can get yourself a G6 or G7. They have them both there. Go check them out. Speaking of things at links that they have, how about an Omnipod? Get the same tubeless insulin pump that so many people love. Omnipod Dash or the Omnipod 5. Omnipod.com slash juicebox. Get started today with my link. There are links in the show notes of the audio player you're listening in right now and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Dexcom, Omnipod, and all of the sponsors. Using those links when you make your purchase helps the show. Hi, everyone. My name is Janet. I am 54 years old and I have type 1 diabetes and I Got it when I was 37 years old. So I'm one of the late in life people. I'm from Southern California. And that's a little about me. 37, 54. What do you know about the number 37? Do you listen to the podcast? Well, I listen to the podcast, but I don't know. You don't hear all the silly things I say? <laughs> no, not about 37. <laughs> all right, hold on a second. I want to get it right when I say it. Okay. Number 37. Um, okay. When asked to choose a random number, 37 is the most frequently chosen number. Oh, wow. When you say, hey, pick a number between 1 and 100, people most frequently say 37. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I don't know why exactly. Hmm. So, anyway. New uh, fun fact for me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is, did you get diabetes when you're 37? Or did the Matrix give it to you? That's what I'm getting at. Yes, I, I think the Matrix gave it to me. <laughs> I want to be very clear. I don't believe in all that. I don't believe we're living in a <laughs> in a phony reality. Uh, so you've had diabetes for 17 years? Yep, about 17 years. Okay. Well, I mean, I was going to say, was it a surprise? But I bet it was a hell of a surprise, right? Yes, very much so. Any type 1 in your extended family? None. 
other autoimmune? Yes. And I actually had to go back and look up autoimmune diseases. So I make sure that I don't say some that aren't, but I have a crap ton of them (laughs) on my mother's side. Okay. Give them to me. So, okay. So start with me. So at age four, and they is before they even had a name for it, I developed something called cold urticaria. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. When you get cold, you get little bumps all over you and they're itchy. Yes. I eat a popsicle and I almost died because my throat closed. Are you going to tell me that you have a thyroid issue? No, I don't have a thyroid issue. Interesting. Go ahead. What else? Okay. So that that happened at age four. At age nine, I developed, uh, I I, I always say this wrong, vitiligo. Vitiligo? Vitiligo? Yes. Yes. So- Three spots came and still have the same three spots and no other ones. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. And I don't think they knew a lot about it then because they used to give me these pills to take and they would say, go outside and lay in the sun and they'll go away, which I just got really, really tan and the white spots just looked more white. Wait a minute. What year? (laughs) Hold on a second. (laughs) What year is that? I'm so sorry. Uh, That really is funny. What year was that? Well, I was nine. So a uh, long time ago, because you're old. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so what, what would that be like? 77, something like Seriously, that. Seriously, is that what oh. we're going to do? Wait, hold on. You were born in 68. 68. And then if I add nine to that, I come up to like 77. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're telling me that a trained medical professional told yep. you basically to go outside and fill in those circles with some sun. Yes, you take this <laughs> pill, take a pill, and the pill made me get more tan. I don't even know what it was. You know, I was nine. So I remember my mom would give me the pill, and then a half an hour later, I would go lay out in the sun for like a half an hour every day. <laughs> Did you take that pill in Ibiza by any chance? What was that? Did you take that pill in Ibiza by any chance? No. no? It was Do Southern you- California, I guess, you know. Do you know the song? Oh, <laughs> I think I do. Okay. Here's why this pops up because the guy just told you uh, that I interviewed prior to you. One of his reality shows happened in Ibiza and and you were like, I took a pill. And then I was like, oh, I took a pill in Ibiza. The guy before me was in Ibiza. Number 37. It's all making sense. <laughs> that's That's funny. Meanwhile, do you see how people's brains work? None of those things are connected to each other. <laughs> right. It's like the seven degrees of whatever it is. <laughs> All right. So when you're when you're when your spots didn't fill in, I assume you, right. g- you gave up. But stop, yes, stop doing that. Did something else happen? I feel like you're gonna tell me six to seven autoimmune issues. Yeah, no. So then after that, the next thing that became something that I didn't know was something until much later mm-hmm. was I have stiff person syndrome. Get out of here. Do you really? I do. I I know that that seems wrong that I was excited when you said that. I (laughs) I know. Because I feel bad that you have this. I know. But you're the first person to say this. So uh, what age did you develop it? What age did you understand that you had it? Okay. So I first started realizing that something was wrong with me after the birth of my child. So I have one son who's now, he just turned 24 this week. So 1999. Mm Mm-hmm. He was born and I noticed things like this constant pain. So like lay on the floor, play with your baby Mm -hmm. was like just pure hell for me. 
I would try to lay on the floor. You know, you lay on your back and you, you know, you put the baby up and you're, oh, whatever. No. So I could barely get up. So I don't know if you want me to go into that whole thing right now or just tell you. Oh, don't, don't overthink it, Janet. Just keep going. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, I go to my doctor, my general practitioner at the time, and I say, hey, you know, I've noticed this, this issue I have, like, I'm in such pain, like it's crazy. So again, his advice was, well, don't lay on the floor and play with your baby then. And get those, get those spots filled in with some sun. Yes. Exactly. Different doctor, obviously, but still. Was it really? But yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Right. So then, you know, all this time I was thinking about, I had, my pregnancy was fine. Mm -hmm. No gestational diabetes, nothing. Everything went perfectly. I was about 30 at this time. Going along well, gained, you know, like 20 pounds. Everything was, was, it was a perfect pregnancy. And then at the end, I go into premature labor. And it was crazy because I, I take my mom with me. We're to Lamaze class, right? Yeah. And so then they're like, oh, we're going to show you how the the belt that you wear, you know, around your stomach, it shows you if you're in contractions or not and blah, blah, blah. Right. So anyone, anyone want to volunteer? So I'm like, oh, I'll volunteer. So I go up there and she puts the the belt on me. And then she leans over to me and she says, do you realize you're having contractions? And I <laughs> said, no. And then she's like, yeah, you need to go see your doctor. So the next morning I go to see my doctor and, you know, they put you in that dark room and, and, and monitor you. And sure enough, I'm having contractions like every 15 minutes. I don't feel anything. though. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they send you home with your little medicine and you're on bed rest. And then about three days later, I got up to use the restroom and like, I, I thought it was just pee that, you know, oops, you know, peed a little bit when I went to the bathroom Yeah, on the way to the bathroom and. Oh, no, you need to come in because we need to test that. So they test it. Oh, that's ambionic fluid. So, nope, you know, now you're in the hospital. So I was in the hospital for like 10 days before I finally just said, oh, my gosh, if you if he's such a hurry to get here, let's let's just let him come. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Pitocin for 24 hours. I was so sick. They put me on magnesium sulfate. I was just it was, I was just incredibly sick the entire time in the hospital. And then. You know, the neonatal comes in, they measure him. They're like, this kid's like seven pounds already. And I'm about mm, six weeks, you know, like, so I was at like 34 weeks at that time. Right. So then they're like, well, we'll just get her up and walk around. Anyways, they tried everything. And then um, finally, the day I had him, which was March 13th. So it was like 35 weeks early. I was at 35. So five weeks early. Um you know, they came in and they're like, you're like full on on contractions on the, on our machines and the, in the nurse's station. And you're in here laughing and having a good time. I'm like, I don't feel a thing. Hmm. So they did one of those like little internal monitor things. And when they did that, they like popped the sack and it like, I was throwing it. It was terrible. I was full on then in contractions, but only dilated like three centimeters and he's trying to come out. It was just a mess. Hmm. So they gave me um, <clears throat> the spinal block at that point. So then as I'm throwing up, I'm laying, you know, the side of the bed, throwing up everywhere. And they're trying to put this in. They're like, stay still. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I, I want to do over. I don't, I don't want any babies. Is it, <laughs> right, too, late? Is exactly. it too late to say something? <laughs> like- I'm like, get it out. <laughs> <laughs> so he was relatively healthy. He, you know, jaundice and then, you know, in a, in a oxygen tent for like three hours. But he was healthy. He was 6'15 and 
19 inches long and he's turned out to be a healthy human being. He was all great. Probably scared. I don't know. I had three centimeters dilated. Have you ever been trapped under your blanket in your bed (laughs) and you can't find the edge of it and you start to panic? Yeah, right. Don't you think that's got to be the same thing? You're like, everything I've read says this is where I go, but I can't find it. So. And it's funny because they were like, he's trying to push out. He's getting like this cone head already. And I'm only like three centimeters. And then once they deliver him, you know how they measure their head, right? He was like 13 and a half centimeters, his head. I'm like, oh, dear God, that's not natural. <laughs> I'm, I'm, picturing, thank God for- I'm picturing yeah. two baby fingers sticking out and a little voice yes. going, hey, hey, is this the door? <laughs> yes. yes. I've been all over this place. I can't find it. The Omnipod tubeless insulin pump is the same exact insulin pump that my daughter has been wearing since she was four years old. That's over 15 years. Omnipod.com slash juice box. Head over now, learn all about the Omnipod 5 tubeless automated insulin delivery system and the Omnipod Dash, and then you can decide which system is right for you. Omnipod 5 is the first and only tubeless automated insulin delivery system to integrate with the Dexcom G6. And it's available for people living with type 1 diabetes ages two years and older. It features smart adjust technology. And it's right there in the pod. That technology is baked right into the pod. And it adjusts insulin delivery based on your customized target glucose. And what about the beautiful Omnipod Dash? It's gorgeous. Not an algorithm, but that same great tubeless form factor. Maybe you'd like to try a free trial of the Omnipod. Oh, you can do that at omnipod.com slash juicebox. Go there and check your coverage, get a free trial, read all about Omnipod 5 or Omnipod Dash, and then make your decision and get started today. You can be wearing the same tubeless insulin pump that Arden has been wearing for 15 years when you go to omnipod.com slash juicebox. While we're at it, we're talking about things that my daughter uses for her diabetes, dexcom.com slash juice box. Let me go there right now for you, tell you what you're going to see. You're going to see a website. I mean, that was pretty obvious. Beautiful people all over it, all wearing Dexcom and some great information about the Dexcom G7. G7 is what Arden is wearing. You absolutely could wear it as well. Dexcom.com slash juice box. Go find an easier way to manage diabetes that doesn't involve finger sticks. Dexcom, G7, or G6 continuous glucose monitor have been such an important part of Arden's life with type 1 diabetes. Being able to see the speed, direction, and number of your blood sugar right on a receiver or smartphone is it's life-changing if you have diabetes. It's crazy how much that information helps you during the day, helps you make good decisions, helps you make adjustments, and helps you to feel more comfortable and safe. Dexcom.com slash juicebox. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Dexcom Omnipod and all of the sponsors. And the, and the funniest thing that you that Scott is that when I developed the leak in the sack, they said it's at the very, very top of your uh like of your mm-hmm. area, right? I said that he said his little finger there going like, you know, you know, scratching it going, let me out, let me out. But so that's what I said. If he's in such a hurry to come into the world and, and knowing his personality now, it's, it's perfect. Okay. So, well, yeah. So he got here, but I always suspected that, that something went wrong in that process. Like they hit something when they were doing the spinal tap and that was what the pain was from. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of these people that tries to like, 
rationalize everything. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you the live, other strength. You live with ahead. pain and stiffness then moving forward? Yes. Okay. But how yes. do they actually diagnose? They did not. It's a funny story. I mean, and I was going through my medical history for you and I was like, dang, man, I went like, I tried for many years. I January will come and I'll be like, this is the year. This is the year I'm going to fix myself and move forward. And so we ended up, my son goes off to college. We sold our big house. We moved into our vacation home up in Lake Arrowhead. And uh, we're like, okay, this is it. We're going to retire. I'm not going to have any stress. Things are going to be better in my life. Well, they weren't. Mm -hmm. So there was a mountain doctor up there. They have no specialist like on the hill. You got to go down the mountain. But there was this nice, you know, general practitioner Super nice guy who actually listened to you. And so he agreed to take, he had no type ones, but he agreed as long as I stayed in range that he would, you know, continue to order the blood test. And if I needed to see the endo, I'd have to go down the hill. And so I was talking with him one day and telling him about my constant pain. And and he said to me, like, you know, that's not normal, right? And I said, well, I've just been living with it for, you know, 20 plus years. And they tell me, you know, you know, oh, you have fibromyalgia. Then they say, no, you don't have fibromyalgia. Oh, you have this. No, you don't have that. You know, it's just back and forth. And because I won't live on antidepressants and pain meds, they just get aggravated with me. So he said, you know what? I, you know, after I've gotten to know you, you seem like a very rational person. (laughs) So I'm going to send you to a uh, neuromuscular specialist that I know down in Riverside. So I'm like, okay. So I go down there. And she sees me and does the whole, you know, brain MRI, thoracic and the whatever, the cervical, all those MRIs. And sure enough, everything comes back normal, which is no MS, no problems with my spinal cord per se. Mm-hmm. So she then doesn't have the equipment and sends me over to a, another local neurologist who does a EMG on me. And so that's the test where they put all the little needles in your arms and legs and, and test your nerves and your, um, oh, and your muscles. Okay. So they basically like shock you a little bit. Yeah. So sure enough, that comes back abnormal. And then this whole time I'm GAD 65 positive. So that's a huge marker Mm -hmm. for SPS. And, um, so then they come to the conclusion, oh, wow, we've never seen this case. No one had ever seen a case of SPS in their practice. So they both got together and said, yeah, man, this girl has a uh, stiff person syndrome. So. So how long ago did you get that diagnosis? That was the end of 2019. But you believe it's been around since the birth of your 24 year old? Yes. So then the hard question is, you know, the hard question, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. D- doesn't this limit life expectancy? It does somewhat. I think every case is different. It's definitely a degenerative type disease. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I, I have a neurologist now who's pretty decent. He's, he, he hasn't, I'm the only one in his practice, but he saw it in his residency. So he said, you know, my, my guess is because you live a life that's very clean, like I don't drink alcohol for the most part, um, never have done drugs. And I'm extremely conservative with prescription medication even. Mm-hmm. And and I just try to eat as healthy as possible. He says, I think you're are keeping some of these other issues at bay, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like 
some people, and I feel very fortunate because when I first found out, you know, I go on YouTube or of course, right? You Google it. And, you're, and I was like, oh, dear Lord, right? Like I, these people are in wheelchairs and they're having these full body spasms. And I haven't experienced that yet. And I feel so thankful that I'm not at that. So right. I do limit a lot of interaction with with stressful situations, yep. you know, such as family and and certain friends. Um, I just say I can, I can't. I can no longer be in that relationship because it causes me stress. Yeah. So. And, and and treatments for this are like sedatives, muscle relaxants, steroids, like stuff like that, right? Yeah. So the, the one they start you off with, which is what I've stayed at. And, and I was, you know, hesitant because I, I told the doctor, I'm like, okay, let's, we have to agree on, on my treatment plan. I, with all my doctors, I always say we have to agree or else I won't do it. Yeah. So what they do to make sure that they have the right diagnosis as well is they give you 10 milligrams of Valium. So, and you're supposed to take that twice a day. So if it doesn't knock you out and put you to sleep, right. Mm -hmm. Then you have stiff person. And sure enough, it just definitely, I agreed that I wouldn't, I didn't want to take it every single day because you end up, there's people that are like 30 milligrams twice a day on Valium. And I just, I don't want to live whatever life I have left. I don't want to live like that while my symptoms are, not major. Mm-hmm. What are the symptoms? How does it look day to day? Day to day. So, you know, pretty much, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm stiff already. So I get out of bed. It takes, you know, a little bit. I always laugh because I say it feels like somebody like beat the bottom of my feet with a hammer while I was sleeping. Mm. So your first couple steps are just like walking on shards of glass because you're so, you don't relax at nighttime. So, getting a restful night of sleep, you know, on top of the type one diabetes is very difficult. Right. So it's just, you never, your body's always tense. So you, you wake up in the morning, feel like you ran a marathon last night and then you get up and you get your routine going, but you know, getting up from the couch is a struggle. Sometimes some days are better than others too, but I've noticed it's been really, really cold here lately. Yeah. And uh, the cold has just, it's just been a problem for I've had to take more volume than I ever have. And um, I actually have an appointment with a neurologist on Friday to talk about this, but your muscles just, they freeze, they lock up and, you know, doing like doing the dishes is very painful for me. Um, You know, we have this big sink where you have to kind of lean over and wash the dishes. And, and and we're not talking a lot, a lot of dishes. I live for the most part by myself now. And I have to go sit down after I wash the dishes because my upper back just becomes like a vice. Okay. So, and then driving. Can I ask, have you tried weed? I have not because I've, you know, I've always been that person from a very young age. My sister did a lot of drugs. I have an older sister. And so I was always very anti any kind of drugs. So I've never tried weed. And some people, like I'm in some groups, obviously, and some people swear by it. Some people say it doesn't help. But haven't gotten there yet. Like in my mind, I think that would be a a huge hurdle for me. Can we for pick, some reason. can we pick through this for a second? Absolutely. I had this conversation with a doctor recently. They were asking my background. And I, you know, I said, Oh, no, haven't done this, haven't done that. And they said, Never. And I said, No, never. And they go, uh, okay. And I said, How about you? So the doctor's like a little older than me. And she says, No, I never have. And I said, Why not? And she thought about it, and she said, I think I would feel like I was letting my parents down. 
And that's when we got to it because this is not a a square person, this person I'm talking to. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, and I think they know intellectually and maybe even believe medically that weed would be fine for them. And then we started talking about how we grew up and how like the the messaging was such as, you know, like don't do drugs. If you do drugs, bad things are going to happen to you. Like in my mind, mm-hmm. the way we grew up, if I do drugs, all my teeth are going to fall out. I'm going to live <laughs> under a bridge and uh and I'm going to eat out of rusty cans um and I and I'm going to have to poop in the road. Like like that's like the leap my brain makes, right? Because yep. because that's just what and that's what you're describing too, right? That you've been indoctrinated not to do this. Yeah, I think after watching watching my sister and then how it affected our family, I tried to I have a lot of anxiety, always have since I was very very young. Mm-hmm. And so ended up in you know, some psychotherapy due to the fact of trying to be, you know, the perfect wife at the time, perfect student, perfect daughter, perfect employee, everything had to be perfect in the world that I lived in. And I saw drugs and alcohol as as an imperfection. Mm -hmm. So I I still think that's why I'm hesitant even on the value because they're like, if you took it every day, you'd, you'd feel much better. You'd have a better quality of life. And I'm like, I'm just terrified to be addicted to like anything. Like for some reason. Yeah, no, no. And uh, so I would say if, if you came to me privately and you said that, I'd be like, listen, Janet, I'd prefer you smoke something like weed and maybe don't smoke it. Like, fine. I, I don't know if I'd be up for smoking all the time, but like, you know, I don't know, a vape or one of those hot vape. I don't know. Listen, I don't know a ton about it, John, but I'm saying like over volume. Like, like right. why is it? And, and this is where the argument gets, I always find interesting. Like, why is a pharmaceutical compound something that we all go, yeah, that's fine. But nobody, but when you say like, so there's, it's people of a certain age. If I said, Hey, you have a little anxiety, maybe try smoking some weed, low T, T, uh, what is it? T S T H T C A T H C T H C. Sorry. There's so many T acronyms. <laughs> I don't even head. know. <laughs> so, so, so just something with low THC. And, uh, I'm not talking about like destroying like a blunt, like just have like a couple of puffs and see how you feel. And you, and right away your brain's like, no, I'll become a drug addict, like people that right. I've known, and I'll live under a bridge, and I don't want to poop yeah. in a street, and like like you know, and blah blah blah, it'll ruin everything. But the truth is, is that I think a mass amount of the population smokes weed, and I know, and, and I walk around, I keep waiting for Armageddon, it doesn't happen, and so. I know. But if I said to you, here's a pill, take it, and I was a doctor, you'd go, okay. Well, yeah, some people. Me, I'm like, the first thing I do is when somebody gives me a, a prescription is I go online and I look to see like all of the, <laughs> I'm one of those. And then, you know, as growing up as, as a kid and still today, I was always, I never took any drugs because I was for sure going to be that person that it was laced with something and then I was going to end up and I would be a vegetable in a hospital. My mind would know what's going on, but I would be like trapped in my body. But and, it's legal where you yeah. live now, right? Yeah. There's like yeah, dispensaries yeah. and... I mean, yeah. you, you obviously like. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you on the weed. I think while we're talking. Here. <laughs> so I'm gonna puff the magic dragon. <laughs> God, Janet, uh, you're older than I am in your mind. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> I think I'm older than you in uh, in age too. No, forget the age part. You went. You yeah. went to that. That's a reference that just everybody's like. That's what that's from. Like, yeah. yeah. And then there are plenty of people like I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> But I don't know, like, it just seems to me that, like, what would it hurt? 
Like, I don't think it's yeah. like you're going to, like, because you could go to a dispensary and, like, buy a small, like, you could probably buy single joints. Probably. And just tell them, like, here's my thing. Get one of those stone kids to look you in the face and be like, listen, tell me why. <laughs> how do I make this go away a little bit? I don't know. I'm I'm down with you trying this. Plus, you live on a mountain. Who Who's there to judge you? Nobody. Yeah. Well, actually, we, we moved. So after, <laughs> quick story, we moved up there. And we were going to live there for three years, so it would be our residence, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, my gosh, we had a snowstorm. Now, not like the snowstorm they just got, which we're thankful that we don't live there anymore because they got 10 feet of snow. Oh, my God. Yes, it was horrible. I I would have, you know, because my husband even said, you would have had a panic attack and probably died inside the house because you couldn't see out the window or get out or whatever. And probably. So we got three and a half feet one Thanksgiving, and, and that alone was like, it was so hard and our son couldn't get up to help us. And so there we are shoveling snow because we couldn't even get out the front door and it was just mm. crazy. So then my husband got this wonderful idea. Now he's from, he's from a different country. He's from Argentina, but he got this idea to build a beautiful house on the beach in Rosarito, Mexico. And that's where we were going to you know, live. So we moved down there and, and I made it like a year and a half. And then I'm like, I can't live here anymore. Like, I didn't like it. So I ended up coming back to a, our very first house that we bought when um, we got married. And uh, we had a renter in it. And I told him. I'm, what didn't you like about Mexico? I didn't like, we were in very South Mexico, like the Southern part of Rosarito. So it was very isolated. And it wasn't like you had to be home at night. Like you couldn't, you couldn't go anywhere at nighttime. So, and it wasn't so much like cartel or anything like that. It was more the drunk gringos driving because, you know, in Mexico, they think there's no laws. So the roads were very, very dangerous. And, you know, the whole thing, nothing happens good after dark. Well, that's how it was down there. Mm-hmm. And and I enjoy, um, now you're going to laugh at me, but so I enjoy like karaoke and singing and um, going out and not drinking, just having fun and and those things don't happen at night. So mm-hmm. where I am now, I go and and I'm surrounded by like 70, 80-year-old people. It, it's funny. I'm definitely an old soul. I'm in the senior choir here. And um, then I go to karaoke's at this very, very old restaurant. And, you know, the first night I sit down and I'm actually sitting with one of my high school teachers. And it was just kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to admit we're not all the way through your story, and I don't know if we're going to figure it out, but you've laid breadcrumbs that I can't connect. So <laughs> so you said that I mostly live alone now, and I thought, oh, she got divorced or somebody died. And then it, no. so- it sounds yeah. like you just left him in Mexico. <laughs> I did. And you so, were like, you know, I'll be back we- maybe-ish. See ya. <laughs> how long have you been so- married? Let all the people, let the younger people know. How long do you have to be married before you go, eh, I don't like Mexico uh, more yeah. than I like you. I got to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so this year, this September will be 30 years. That's the number when I could just say yeah. to Kelly, I'm going to leave. I'll be back in about four months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of crazy, Scott, because we decided that, you know what, like this is about, we're at a point in our life where, you know, our son has grown and, and we've done everything that, you know, we had these businesses that we built. We were both entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and we have everything we need. We're able to retire. So we retired kind of on the younger side and but we both want each other to be happy. Yeah. So, and he just loves the ocean. He loves to watch the ocean. And I, I know this sounds terrible, but I don't like the ocean. It's loud. 
It's destructive. Like you can never turn it off. It's like this constant noise, even when the window's closed. Does it mess with your anxiety? It does. It's, it's, I don't have any like peace there. Uh-huh. And so then, and then we have like the quota, which is like their toll road on the other side with the trucks that come down the ramp and they're like, with their big e-brakes or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And, and there's just, there's a lot of construction because it's newer development and, and all the people there love to party. And I'm not a party girl. Yeah. I never have been, never will be. And it was just kind of, you know, and then, uh, then I made the mistake of getting on the HOA board as their treasurer because I'm an accountant. And, oh, dear Lord, right? <laughs> Talk about anxiety and stress. <laughs> I so, think we're not using all this money properly. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only, no, just, just the people are just horrible. Oh, being involved just, with people. Yes. So, so do you, I'm so sorry. I'm going to ask you a horrible. Uh, do you miss your husband day to day? You know, I think we talk more that we're now that we're like, you know, whatever that is, 300 miles apart than than we do when we're in the same house. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Wow. Now, I mean, the way you talk about it is so free and easy that that you don't seem encumbered by it at all. And so I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. And he comes like so for around the holidays, he was here for about six weeks and he's actually here for he leaves this saturday he's been here for a month because our son's birthday and he came up for some doctor's appointments for himself and and if i have a lot of stuff on my uh agenda then he'll come up and help out we have two dogs that are rescues and one's a handful so he's keeping her at bay right now quiet Um, i can't let kelly hear this or there's no way she's gonna stay here (laughs) she's gonna she's gonna (laughs) it's actually it's actually a nice um after 30 years mm-hmm. and and our son being grown and out and about, I kind of, I I think both of us enjoy having some alone time, if yeah. that makes sense. No, it's interesting because you're not talking about like a disillusion of anything. You don't mention you're not separated. You don't like, that's not how you think of any of this, right? No, like in either one of us have like, oh, I'm going to go out and get myself a boyfriend or girlfriend or I need this. We just... Kind of like, I want you to be happy and the ocean makes him super happy and he loves to watch it and mm. he enjoys, you know, watching TV and, and I'm more like, I enjoy it. Well, it's funny because I, I have like a crocheting group that comes over on, um, to my house on Mon- uh, on Mondays and there's like six of us and they actually told me, you don't have to crochet anymore because you're so bad at it <laughs> because I'm. You I just want to sit there. <laughs> yeah, yes, you- I actually do something else. I do like this little other thing, but um, it was funny because I'm such an anxiety written person that I'm so focused on trying to get the the little thingy, the stitches or whatever you call them, correct, and they're so tight that you can't do proper crochet like that. And mm. so after like three weeks, they're like, you know, you don't you don't have to crochet if you. You know, maybe it's not your thing, Janet, and, but we'd still love to come over to your house and you can do a different kind of uh We like know, how clean it, clean it is here and your food is terrific. So <laughs> you're going to love it one day when you move into an old folks home. You're going to be yeah. like, finally, old people, the way I like it, nothing to do, everything's set up for me. You're going yep. to be like 12 o'clock. I got to go to lunch. Yeah. So I, I'm like, and like I said, the senior center here is 50 plus. So I'm like, you know, senior ukulele. I just started like trying to play the ukulele and then I do the choir and yeah. and we go and we perform at like, you know, uh, what do they call those? Oh, assisted living centers or whatever. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I just figured like, 
I'm just going to try to live the best life that I possibly can live because I don't know, and none of us know, but I don't know when I'm going to have issues. Like when Celine Dion came out with, you know, oh, she can't tour anymore because she has Sith person syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, all of us in that society were like, we felt bad, but we were like, yes, finally, there's somebody that people know that has this, you know, disease. Mm -hmm. And so we're really hoping to bring some um, education and hopefully research funds to it because it's so rare. And then I, I look, I look at her and I think, oh, you know, cause she's probably, you know, yeah, you sometimes have throat spasms. I haven't experienced that, but um, she probably can't walk around and get around the stage as much as she'd like to. So that's probably what's limiting her. When it limits so. people's ages, how does it do it? Like through stiffening of organs? Yeah. So, oh yeah. So like, so when I'm driving a car, I think that was going to tell you. So if I'm, I'm driving along, right. Minding my own business and everything's good. And then somebody like honks their horn. And so if you, we have a startle reflex. So when we get startled, we normally have a spasm. And so when I'm driving, it seems to be like my diaphragm. And so like, it just literally takes my breath away. Hmm. Like I'm just can barely breathe. So now I'm like, <laughs> trying not to, you know, fixate on that. And, and then like looking over my shoulder, thank God I have my car that has all the beeping that goes on if I get in the wrong lane or somebody's next to me. Yeah. But like, even like looking over your shoulder can cause a spasm. Um, I just like, you I, just said I was something telling, interesting. Hold on a second. You said like, do you try to, con is it possible to control them with like relaxation techniques? I tend to like try to, so the, the best thing I do is um, if I lay down, Everyone laughs because I, I, I got to go lay down. I'm not talking about sleeping. Like I'm not, I don't need to take a nap. But if I get horizontal, like during the middle of the day for at least 20, 30 minutes, then the rest of the day is okay. Mm -hmm. But if I don't get that, that rest and relaxation where I'm just like, okay, I'm not moving. I'm not doing anything. Then I'm usually in extreme pain by the, by the end of the evening. Hmm. So Yeah. I right. think um, well, I'm not a doctor, John. I think that's obvious if you listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's possible that I'm not even a high school graduate, but I mean, I did technically get the paper. But I think you should smoke weed. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like obvious to me. Um, uh, and, and again, I'm not talking about, and you're on, I'm not talking about like, you shouldn't be, I'm not telling you to smoke all day long or anything like that, but I would just wonder if, a few puffs before bed wouldn't be a good place to start and see if you don't wake up feeling better. And if that's the case, then maybe you do a little bit like on a schedule. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So after this podcast, I, I'll be like Googling all this that you're telling me. Cause oh I'm my like, God, I have no you haven't Googled. I have no idea. I've Googled the hell out of it just while we're talking. <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah, I, ha <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea how weed or marijuana, whatever you want to call it, affects people like i don't know if some people are affected in one way and some people are affected another way i have no idea i have a question i'm going to start asking people this question all the time describe how you think it's going to be i guess i i revert to my high school days where i think i'm going to be just like yeah man duh, you know just stupid and and i'm an intelligent woman so i wouldn't ever want to come off like like brain dead gotcha. so that's kind of that's what i think but you're by yourself in the house nobody's seeing you yeah <laughs> You can call me if you want, if you start saying stupid shit. And yeah. I, I get, I'll talk to you. Here's what I'm thinking we should do. Maybe I should get weed and smoke it on the podcast. 
and then we'll there find, we go. And we'll find out. How's that? You tell me how to fix you, and then maybe I'll try it. I guarantee you, if it's based on the rest of my life, nothing will happen. <laughs> I'll just be like, oh, another thing other people enjoy that I'm getting nothing from. <laughs> right. So, and see, that's what, and I hear that too. Like maybe it doesn't do anything to some people. So um, no, I think it's going to get you good. <laughs> so, oh. but, but I just think a little bit. Not right. a lot. All right. That's all right. Let's get past that. I'm sorry. Stiff person syndrome. Terrible. Anything else? Let's see. For me, no. All right. Well, diabetes. Okay. Well, yeah, my type one. So does the cold urticaria still happen? No. You know, it was something I grew out of okay. about, about 13, 14. So in my teenage years. How's your energy? You know, I get tired, but like they have before the stiff, before having the um, diagnosis of stiff person, I think I dwelled on it more like, oh my God, I'm tired all the time. Cause when I went back to look through my, my blood work, I'm like, man, they ran like my thyroid test and like over and over and over. And I'm, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like I've never had an issue with it. So, but I, I get tired, but I kind of contributed to like, I'm pretty active. So, you know, I'm not the woe is me person and lay in bed all day. Right. Right. So of these issues, Obviously, the cold air carrier is not an issue anymore. Stiff persons is it seems like a pretty overwhelming vitiligo. We've given up on filling in those holes. How what <laughs> what do you think of more during the day? Do you think more about type one or the stiffness? I think during the day, more on my mind is the type one because I think I have more control over that than mm-hmm. I do the stiff person syndrome. Okay. Prior to being intimate with your husband, has he ever said, oh, you're giving me stiff person syndrome? Be honest. (laughs) No. All right. I feel like you're lying about that, but that's okay. All right. So um, (laughs) I mean, such an obvious. Do you know that when when you brought up Celine Dion, I thought, oh, I bet you she regrets singing a song called My Heart Will Go On. And I never said that out loud because it seemed inappropriate, but... (laughs) Um, I just, uh, I, all right. There's been no inappropriate dialogue about stiffness with you and a man. No. Cause uh. you know, before the Celine Dion, I never told hardly anyone, even my parents, no, no one really knew because it sounded like so made up. Like it was, it's I got mean, a hokey name. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I'm with you on that. It used to be called Tin Man. They call it Tin Man, and they used to be they used to call it Stiff Man Syndrome. But more women have it than men, and it was just I was told for so long. Oh, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. Just exercise. You're going to feel better. It's just you know. Hmm. And then to finally be like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you said earlier you didn't did that. They talked about giving you like antidepressants. Did you ever try them? Yeah, I tried them one time. And they had put me on a uh, Wellbutrin, mm-hmm. and my husband he he had he restored. He, well, he bought cars from auctions and then restored them, like mostly classic cars, and then resold them mostly to Europe. Right, that yeah. was his job. So while I was on that for a short period of time, he sent me to an auto auction to uh, bet on some cars, and it was bad because the Wellbutrin gave me this. I'm like. I don't know, can't touch this kind of syndrome, you know? And so like, I was like overbidding. I bought all these cars that were like, I paid way too much money for. And, and I got home and he's just like, what in the world? I'm like, I don't know. I was just like an outer body experience. I'm like, with that, <laughs> that's that paddle. We, we own a $40,000 Pinto. 
Yes, it was really Put bad. new paint was, on it. We'll sell it to a French person. It'll be fine. Yes. And he, and he wasn't mad at me. He was just like, okay, well, you're never going again. And and I told him, I said, I don't even know what happened. It's like something overcame me. And and I had, when I was on it, I just had this, like, I could do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, well, do you think so of yourself I, as depressed? You know, I think since I had some really difficult years that came, they started in 2016. And from 2016 to 2020, well, probably when I moved, I was able to move back from Mexico. Yeah, you know, and and day, I'm better. Every day I'm getting better and better. But let me tell you, that depression is, is real. So, Yeah, because what you felt was likely a lifting of the depression. Yeah. With the Wellbutrin. Well, yeah. For, like I said, I it scared me so bad that I was like, no, I'm not taking this. So that was it. Did you start turning into yourself and you're like, I don't like me at all. <laughs> yeah, it was just, well, it was like an alter ego, like some like superwoman kind of. So like, you see yourself more as reserved and intelligent and measured. Yes. And when you're absolutely. not, when you're not, you don't like that about yourself. Yes, that's accurate. Hmm. Okay. There, there are. There are lines to draw together here. I don't know what they are yet. Huh. Do you see them? I do because, but then I, I perform, you know, I go out and I, I yeah. sing in front of strangers and I do other things that, that are more, you know, outside of my, my normal, what I would say, personality. But still a controlled environment though, right? You're part of a group. You show up at a thing, yeah. it's planned, etc. Yeah. Would you stop in the middle of the mall and start singing? No, not unless I was trying to, like, embarrass my son or something. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't mean to infer because, obviously, again, not a doctor. And there's a lot going on here. But there seems to be a through line between how your body acts and how your mind acts. I think so, yes. Were there ever times in Mexico where your stiff syndrome went away? Or was it worse? It was worse because my anxiety was like off the roof, you know, like I was, I felt suffocated and trapped and it was and I angry all the time. It was, mm-hmm. it was really bad. And when you go to the mountains, it's not that relaxing because now it's colder there and, yeah, and, and extremely isolated and you're isolated, which you don't like either. So you yes. like being around people, but not people who make a lot of noise or a lot of commotion. Yeah. So I, up there I in the mountains, I tried to join a women's group, which I have more male friends than I do female friends just because of the cattiness and drama, right? So I'm like, okay, well, I need to find something up here. And I had just, we moved up there in 2018. And the month, I mean, it was probably a week before we moved up there. Uh, we had, my husband's friend had come to stay with us for just less than 24 hours. And you know, he ended up committing suicide in our home and I was there. So oh my gosh. I was in a, yeah, I was in a bad place. So we moved to the mountains like almost immediately and the isolation. And I was like recognizing that, okay, I have to like find something. So I joined this women's group through the church and, and it was okay. Like I said, first experience, but the mountain people were very, if you weren't born and raised on a mountain, then you'll never, you'll never be part of our, our culture type thing. 
So I had made friends with another lady that had just moved from Austin, Texas, and her and I kind of hung out. And she, she definitely, she was older than me and she definitely helped get me centered and, and move past that part of my uh, anxiety and, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that was, that was tough, I oh, think. I'm sorry. Then, That's a lot. It was a lot. I mean, it was I like, yeah. When you invite somebody to live in your house for a little while, like you think, oh, they're going to leave hair in the bathroom. You, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. they're probably not going to eat on our schedule. Like those are the, you don't. And this is, was that an out of the blue thing? It was, it was a lifelong friend of my husband's. Mm-hmm. And when we first uh, had bought our first house, he had come to live with us, right? He had just come to, from Argentina to get himself situated. So he lived with us at that point for about eight months. This is before children and everything. You know, we were never here anyway. So we were like, okay. And he got himself settled and did very well. Hadn't hadn't heard from him in about 10 years. Because now things have gone. He's, you know, married. He's got a child the right. same age as ours. And, and you know, out of the blue, we get a phone call. Hey, you know what? I don't have anywhere to stay. Can I come visit you and maybe stay with you a little bit? And we were kind of like, wait, what? You know, as far as we knew, he was married with his child or whatever. And so my husband being my husband said, sure, you know, come on. And and he came over and everything seemed okay. I mean, he definitely had some issues going on, but we didn't think that that was going to happen. Right. No, I mean, how would so, you think that? That's something yeah. else. Wow. Yeah. Where? Well, hold on. How do you manage your diabetes? Are you um, MDI? You use a pump? Do you have a CGM? So I do the, I have the Dexcom 6. And I have the Omnipod 5, which I just started in January of this year. Oh, how are you finding it? Good. You know, I'm thankful for your podcast. Let me tell you. That's a funny story because, you know, I was on the, I was on the Euros from 2017. And then the Dash from, I think I started it in early 2020. Mm Mm-hmm. So then the Omnipod 5, I needed to wait for a second because I switched insurances from being $3,000 for it to free or, you know, zero copay. So I was like, okay, I can wait. Wow. So I go on it, no training. The girl, the girl called me and she said, wait, what's our appointment for? And I said, I think it's training for the Omnipod. And she's like, oh, you don't need training. Just watch the videos. You'll be fine. So I was like, all right. So then after seeing on your Facebook group, you know, like, yeah, I was experiencing the same thing everybody else did. It was fantastic. I wasn't having lows at night. I was finally sleeping, you know, through the night last, you know, 20, well, 24 years, I say, because once you have children, you never sleep the same. Right. And then, um, and then I was having the highs. And so then I listened to your pro tip series and I'm like, Oh, the light bulb went off, you know, like, okay, I can do this. Keep it in automated work through it. Correct, 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 correct. You know, and it's going really well for me. I'm, I'm definitely using more insulin now, but, um, you know, my, I'm like 80% of the time in range. Wow. So good for you. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. I mean, I'm glad it was yeah. helpful and, um, I'm glad it's, I mean, I'm glad it's working for you. Where do you keep your A1C? Oh, so my last one was 6.8. So I'm hoping to improve upon that. But a funny story is my endocrinologist called me the other day and she's like, Oh, congratulations. You know, you're down from 7.1 to 6.8. And, and then, then she says to me, well, I noticed that your evening from like six to 10, your sugars are running a little high. Mm-hmm. And so I say to her, I said, well, I think most of that is because 
you know, I've eaten my dinner, like, you know, probably like by five. And then, you know, the whole stiff person syndrome by six, I'm done. Like I need to lay down and, and be done. I can't be up and around doing stuff. And I think that's probably lack of moving around. And so she says to me, she goes, well, I want you to go in and increase your basal during that period. So then I say to her, I'm like, well, I don't think that's going to work because I'm trying to stay in automated mode the whole time. And I've just been trying to correct those highs. She's like, no, 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 no. You need to change your basal rate for that period. And so then I, I mean, 20 minutes later, she finally said, wait, are you telling me that, that it works like some other pump? I don't even know what she was talking about. And so you're and that, sitting there having a conversation with somebody and they don't know how your Omnipod yes, 5 works. Yes. Cause then she says to me, I said, I listened to the juice box podcast, which is funny. Cause in my notes afterwards, she puts, she's been listening to something called juicy box podcast. <laughs> and you could clearly tell she was annoyed with me, but I kept just saying to her, like, but I need you to listen to me. Like, I think that you're not correct. She's like, I've been telling people for seven months or whatever <laughs> that, you know, that it does an automatic, an, an automated mode, pick up your new basal rates that you're putting in. And I'm like, well, I'm just telling you that that's not how I understand it. Mm-hmm. So then she agreed to go back and, and research with her Omnipod rep, right? Find out that she was wrong. Right. Yeah. So. Hey, I, so then I'm th- having an idea, Janet. For your episode, when I come on and edit it later, I might start it like this. I might go, hello, friends, and welcome to blah, blah, blah episode of the Juicy Box Podcast. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I might do that just for her. Okay. Yeah. 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 So uh, in my notes, you know, because you can always go and see your after summary notes or whatever, there was an email in there to me. She, she emailed me and said, after further research, she believes that what I said was correct, but she's going to double make sure with somebody else. <laughs> so she that- thought you were wrong. Double checked, yep. found out you were right, still didn't right. want to give up. Yeah. Because she doesn't want the Juicy Box podcast to be something that <laughs> she doesn't know about and that it works yep. better than. She- oh, yeah. So, how yeah. long did she fight that one until she was like, hey, you're right. That's not how that works. Because after, like I said, 20 minutes later, it was like legit 20 minutes. And then I just said, will you agree to like, and she's like, well, if you're, if you're right, you're telling me, I think she said the Medtronic. Does that sound right? It works like the, Whatever. I, and I told her, I don't know, it's the first pump I've ever been on. I'm just telling you that well, I don't think changing my basal rate is going to help me if I stay in the automatic mode. Yeah, Omnipod 5 takes settings that you give it on day one, and it, right. it makes decisions with those settings. But if you go back and say, uh, I know I told you one unit of insulin is my basal rate, but I really should have said 1.3, and you change it, you will change that setting, but it will only work in manual mode that way. Okay, it's that's not, what I thought. Yeah. The best, way, the best way to train the Omnipod 5 is to start with good, solid settings, right, that, that are reflective of your insulin needs. Probably be mm-hmm. a little closer to 50-50 basal to bolus. And once you're on it, if you get high, bolus. Like, help it. Like, if you go to 200 and sit there, bolus. Because then the algorithm's like, well, I thought this much, but obviously we needed this much. And it'll start to adjust off of that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, so. And that's what I. That's I was what you were doing. That, yeah. Except yes. your, your medical professional didn't. Do you think someone from Omnipod is listening right now going, what more do you think we could do? And then just rubbing their head really hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, there, I mean, they're at this point now, 
you need to know how to talk to people about how to use, you know, loop and control yeah. IQ and Omnipod five and Medtronic has an algorithm and like, and the, and there's the way you would talk about diabetes to somebody if they were just using a regular pump or an MDI and probably gets confusing after a while. Not everybody's like as giddy as I am when, you know, talk about stuff yeah. like this. I think it's, I think it's, it was frustrating for me, but whatever. Yeah. No, Anyways, I, I imagine. Good. So, okay. So I want to run quickly through my autoimmunes. I'll go as quickly as possible in mm -hmm. my family. So you can see, wow. Right. Right. So, you know, sister endometriosis, pelvic inflammatory disease, mom, she has ITP. So the immune thrombocytopenia, I think is how you say it. And then she has thyroid, but she's not sure if it's, uh, Hashimoto's or not. So I'm like, mm, okay. Well, and so then, your, mom, wait, your mom has a blood clotting disorder. Yes. So she's low platelets. But then I, when I was looking up that cold urticaria thing for me, cause I knew it had a name. I just didn't know what it mm -hmm. was. I, I came across something called a uh, cold agglutin disease, which is like CAD. And I told my mom, I said, I think you need to give that. Cause she has every single one of those symptoms. So I said, I think you need to give that to your blood person doctor and see if that's maybe because it's very very rare too so and then everything's on my she has a problem with histamines histamines um, excuse me i i think so like, yeah yeah she has mm. some really weird stuff going on and so i told her i think you should not ignore this and you should dig into it mom but you know she's 76 so she's like ah oh, i'm just <laughs> it's almost the it's almost over yes yes she's like <laughs> Like, I'm just counting the days. But like a Claritin or a Zyrtec or something even might be valuable taken once a day just to see if she sees any difference. Does she get like hives and swelling? And she stuff? does. She does. And I mean, yeah, she does. And like she's had shingle like three times. She has all these weird things. And so hmm. I just actually started her on the digestive enzymes that you had referred. And I've been taking them and it's made a huge difference. Do so. tell. Do tell, please. Yeah, she has, she has like irritable bowel syndrome and colitis and all that good stuff. And so I told her, I'm like, I'm like, take these and see how you feel. And so she got them a couple of days ago. So I'm going to check in with her. And I started taking them probably about three weeks ago and I noticed a huge difference. So mm -hmm. like everything's more regular now and like dairy doesn't affect me as much. And stomach I'm kind of like hurt. in talk. Stomach doesn't hurt. Yes. My yeah. stomach doesn't hurt after eating. So that's a huge for me. Like I've struggled with that my entire life. Yeah. All so, you needed was for my daughter to have a similar problem. And then you find the podcast and you're all set. I know. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to order those. I ordered them on Amazon and they came and I'm like, I'm going to try them. Good, so. Good for you. It only took me three years of banging my head on this desk that I'm sitting right next to right now to figure out what to do. <laughs> That's all it's yeah. just conversations and doctor's appointments and standing back and going like, uh, this here, this could be this ruling out a bunch of stuff and then going at it from like a common sense perspective. And yeah. truth is without the podcast, your stomach still hurts. And so does Arden's because I wouldn't have, yeah. had, I wouldn't have had the time to think about it. And yeah, that, I know. And I'm I, very thankful. So no, I, mean, no. I tell people like it, it won't hurt to try. So you should try them. See. Yeah. Now, it's similar, like, when people have, like, oh, my TSH is, like, three, but my doctor won't give me thyroid medication. Like, just try it. Because if your symptoms start going away, you know, great. And if not, it doesn't hurt anything to try. You know, yeah. it's, it's not like you're taking a medication that's going to, you know, 
I don't know, make your foot fall off if, if it's the wrong medication. You try it and it's not what you need. It's not what you need. If it is what you need, great. Yep. All right. All right. So wait, keep going with the family stuff. And by the, uh, what else was I going to say uh, about your mom? Shoot. I thought of something and it fell out of my head. Um, oh, are you sure she has colitis or is it possible she's celiac? I don't think she's celiac. I no? think she's been tested for that. Okay. So. Okay. Well, all right. So what else? Okay, so uh, aunt number one, you know, she has psoriasis. Aunt number two, vasculitis, rheumatoid arthritis. Aunt number three has lupus, MS, psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis. Her daughter has POTS. And then, you know, my grandma had the vitiligo. And then, you know, it's questioned. They're like, well, you know, when she was really bad with her Alzheimer's, we were giving her insulin. And I said, so was she a type one? We don't know. Her blood sugars were like 400. We would call and they would just tell us to inject her with some insulin and to not worry too much because she was dying anyway. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Jesus. I'll so, tell you. so they can't tell me if she was type one or two. So, mm. which is, which is not helpful for me, of course. Right. Yeah. Frustrating. So, and then she had, yeah. So then she had psoriasis and then my son so far, he just has a little bit of eczema. So, you know, like a atopic dermatitis. So. So far, I'm hoping he gets more of his dad's genes. So, mm. do you but have, that's autoimmune. Yeah. Do you have him tested for like at his well visits? Do they look at his thyroid? Do they look at stuff like that? You know, I try so hard with him. The good thing is he was a, he was an athlete in for college, so they did some testing. You know, he played water polo since he was nine and got a scholarship to go play and. So the he the problem with him is you, when you go to draw his blood he like throws up and passes out. It's like <laughs> that's it's not like okay. So dramatic, <laughs> yeah. So trying to get him, but every once in a while I'll like hold him down and like uh, test his blood just to see to make sure you know that he's in range. But he's getting married at the end of this year to a, a girl that's going to be a nurse. So I told her I'm like he's going to become your problem. So, yeah, exactly. Good luck. Yeah. But he was dating a girl like pretty seriously for a while where the mom had same as me, you know, type one, but later in life. And then I'm, I said to him, I'm like, oh, man, dude, like, I don't know. I've, I'm, you know, it's supposed to be not hereditary, but you never know. Right. So, you know, kind of- I don't understand how people can. Is, do I just misunderstand the word hereditary? Because, yeah. like, I don't I don't understand how so many people can come out and talk about all of these connections of autoimmune through their families and then go, but type one's not hereditary. And like, I know. Yeah, it's, I, no, but autoimmune issues are. <laughs> so, right. yeah. Yeah. So, and I'll tell you a quick story on that. So, okay. So how, how did my type one diagnosis happen? It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going on through life. Everything's fine. I was super thin as a kid, you know, and always had issues with food. I never wanted to eat and like, Cause my stomach always hurt basically. Right. So then I, you know, get married. Everything's fine. Have my son. I, I'm not no gestational diabetes. Everything is fine. So then in 2004, we decide, okay, you know, we need health and ins- I mean, life insurance. Cause now we have a kid. So I have the fasting blood, you know, it's fine. 81. Perfect. So then that was the end of 2004. Well, January, 2005, again, I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to drop this baby weight. Right. I call it baby weight, but you know, now my kid's like almost six now. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm going to drop it. 
So I start doing all this intense exercise and uh, I have like my first abnormal period ever in my life. So I'm like, well, you know, my whole family's had all these fibroid tumors. All the women have already had hysterectomies by this time, you know, so I'll go to the the gynecologist and make sure nothing's going on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they do the ultrasound and they do the endovaginal ultrasound and they're like, oh, you're fine as far as uh, your gynecological stuff. But we observed a a hydro ureter on your right side. We don't really see an obstruction, but, you know, you're going to have to go to urologist because this can be really dangerous. And I'm like, okay, but I feel fine. No problem. Hmm. So I go see the neurologist. Now, I mean, the urologist. So I don't know if you've ever been to a urologist, but every time you go, the first thing they do is make you pee in a cup, right? And they test your urine and then you go back and everything's fine. I have no sugar in my urine. Everything's fine. So then the lady's like, yeah, if you have a uterus seal, this could be really dangerous because, you know, it backs up the urine into your kidney and then you could have kidney failure and need a kidney transplant. So I'm like, oh my God, right? <laughs> Jeez. You know, chicken little, right? For me, the sky is falling. I'm like freaking Yeah, you're out, not right? good with stuff like this to begin with. No, so, yeah. no. And I'm all, and I'm researching it now, right? Like, oh my God, what is this thing that I, they think I have, right? So me not being very, well, at this point, I didn't question the doctors, I think as much as, as I do now, definitely. So they ordered a, you know, a CT. Okay, that seems pretty harmless, right? Okay, non-invasive. So with contrast, I'm like, okay, everything went well. And there, yeah, it just, it it shows something on the right, little kidney stone and a little bit of my right kidney's a little enlarged and blah, blah, blah. So, so I go back and then she's like, yeah, but we have to do further testing. I'm like, okay. So now they do um, like another ultrasound and, and they're like, okay, yeah, we still see something. No, no sugar in my urine still, but I'm gaining weight now. So then they do this test, avoiding cystourethrogram. So you basically lay on a table, they put an IV in you, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're supposed to pee on the table. Like they put towels under you and you're supposed to pee in front of all these people. And like, I couldn't do it, obviously, because I'm like, I just can't do it. So then you, they let me go out to the bathroom and then they come back and they said, nope, there's no evidence of reflux. So I'm like, okay, so now I'm thinking, okay, I'm done, right? Yeah. Still no sugar in the urine. So then she's like, well, you know what? We do have to do, you know, one more test because we have to make sure, because this could be like between needing a kidney and not needing a kidney. And I'm like, okay. So it was called a LASIK augmentin renogram. So I looked it all up and then I saw that like LASIK had like some sulfa in it but a trace amount. And so I said, Hey, you know, I'm really allergic to sulfa. So, Oh no, you'll be fine. And then I noticed like the nurse was sick. She was like coughing and didn't think much of it. So they inject you with this LASIK and you have an IV in you and you have a catheter in you. And they just basically watch, you know, it all go down and how it, it flows out. So yes, everything, it just shows my, my right uterus a little bit smaller than my left. But I woke up the next morning with a fever, like 103 chills. And I called the doctor and they, they prescribed like macrodatin. And then I had some allergic reaction to it. So again, you know, I called the doctor. I'm like, Hey, I'm having an allergic reaction to this. And the nurse is all like, Oh, just keep taking the medicine. I'm like, I'm not keeping taking the medicine. So I, I went into the doctor and like two days later, they test my sugar, they test my urine and they're like, Oh my gosh, you're a diabetic. Hmm. So like overnight. Like, boom. Figure that out. No problem. (laughs) Right. 
So then, but my fasting blood glucose is only like 154. Okay. So, okay. So then um, I'm thinking, you know, well, my kidneys are probably just like overtaxed, right? Right. Because like you've been doing all this stuff to me and then I got sick and then I had this medication that I was allergic to. And, you know, so I'm just thinking, okay, it's just going to take time. So it went on, you know, I went, I went and they're like, okay, yeah, you're kind of, you're, you're type two because, you know, you weigh like 165 at this time. So, you know, I'm five, four, lose some weight. Cause you're, you know, that, that, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. And it just keeps, it, this goes on for years <laughs> and I'm talking about years. So type two, now I'm running. Okay. So I'm down to like 130. And now my doctor's like, you look sick. You don't look healthy anymore. Like, you know, you sure you're eating enough? And you people are on. not helpful. <laughs> That's what yes, I would say. Yes. <laughs> oh my yes. And then in my control issues and my anxiety, I'm like feeling horrible about myself because I'm like, why can't I get better? What's sure. going on? Why can I not get better? And, and my numbers, she has me like taking Actos and Bayetta and, and I couldn't tolerate metformin. It hurt my stomach too much. And I mean, she tried like every drug that was in her you know, Genuvia and everything that was in her little case up there. I, I think I tried. And so I, when was this? It was about, it was in 2000 and, oh yeah, it was October of 2010. I even wrote my notes here. I get, I get mad at this point. Like I'm, I'm pissed because my, I'm, I'm down to like 140. My A1C is 7.9 at this point. Mm-hmm. And she says to me, I think you're just too stressed. So you should probably quit your job. And I'm like, yeah, because it wouldn't be stressful if I just sat home and did nothing. I own my own company and like, right? Like, So wait, the reaction yeah. to the test result was you should quit your job? Yes. That's what she told me. She goes, I don't know what else to tell you because I think this is just your anxiety that's making my, and I'm taking a ton of medication at this point. Wait, she thinks you have almost an 8A1C because of anxiety? Yes. Wait, yes. Do you do you live under the imaginary bridge that we talked about earlier? Like, where are you right. finding these doctors at? Well, and this was a very well known and liked endo in the area. All right. She didn't talk yes. about just like maybe we should use more insulin. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't well, come here's up. the yeah. Here's the thing because I think at that point I was on Levamir and something else. But so I just I lose my I lose my mind at this point. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I'm like, yeah. So I tell my husband, I said, you know, I think, I think I'm allergic to something or, or something's going on. There's, there's something else going on because look at how thin I am. And like, you see what I eat. Like I was basically just eating like salad with like a little bit of vinegar and oil on it. And you know, that's it. And so I decided to go to like a a naturopathic doctor Mm -hmm. in the area who's new to the area. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go see what he can do for me. So the first thing he says to me, he's like, wait, you're a type two. And I said, yeah, that's what they tell me. And he's like, well, have you ever been tested for GAD 65? And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. So my answer is going to be no, I guess. Right. So he's like, let's do that first. So he tests me and sure enough, I'm positive. So then he said to me at that point, he said, you need to find an endocrinologist that knows what they're doing because you need insulin. Like you're never going to get better on these medications that you're on. Right. Yeah. So I came home and I, I emailed um, two of the big major centers out here, which is UCLA and then Loma Linda. So either direction of me. And 
the director of the diabetes center in UCLA called me like from his personal cell phone. Mm-hmm. He's like, Hey, you know what? I want your case. Will you drive out here? And it, it was like, it's an hour with no traffic, but in traffic, it could be two to three hours. So I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. So I go out there and he explains to me, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm going to tell you what he said to me. <laughs> go ahead. So, okay. So he said, what you have is with your GAD 65, he goes, it's luck of the draw. Like it's not hereditary. You were born with GAD 65. And he said, and some people will develop type one diabetes from that. And some people won't. He said, the reason that we know this is because there was a lady and, and he said, and the, the kids are about your age now. And I think it was about 40 at that time mm-hmm. um, said triplets, identical triplets. He said, so therefore, you know, they share the same DNA. And I'm like, okay, I get that part. He said, one comes out full diabetic from the beginning, like boom. The second one developed diabetes at 27. And then the other one was about 40 and still did not have diabetes, but they were all GAD 65 positive. So I thought that was weird. I was first time someone ever, you know, Yeah. so you can, you can be GAD 65 positive and, and never have any ailments apparently from it but any kind of he told me like any kind of trigger like an illness very stressful traumatic um situation like anything that like brings your body down could set that into motion and so he felt like yes the thing with my kidney because they got kind of compromised Mm -hmm. is how i ended up on the path that i'm on it's crazy so he immediately put me on insulin and then um, I went on the Dexcom in 2013 because I was, I was bad too. I, I was the person that was running around doing so many things. I, you know, I never missed one of my son's games ever. Like I've never missed anything in his life. That was something that was really important to me. He's the only child. I never wanted him to be the person that looked out into the audience and didn't have his mom or dad there watching him do whatever it was, school play, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. So I was running around doing all that and taking horrible care. I mean, at one point my A1C was like 11.1 hmm. because I was just putting Janet last, you know, everybody else came in front of me. So he put me on, like, I think I was on Levimir and Jardians. And then, you know, my A1C was slowly going down. They got me on Victosa and then the Humalog. And then in 2017, he ended up retiring, but um, in 2017, I ended up going on the, the Omnipod, which right. was like the best thing I could have done for my lifestyle. So, Do you think it was like a, a Lada presentation? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so they, was a- they are confusing for doctors. Like, there's just no doubt. But seeing the the antibody testing should let them know this is type one, just a slow progression. Yeah. And yeah. she didn't even, and so when I went back to that, I ended up sending that a letter to the first endocrinologist saying, Hey, you know, this neuropathic doctor, he ran this test. And, and I even tried to work with her, you know, and then she's like, well, you know, some people believe in that and some people don't, you have type two diabetes and you just, you know, and she just would not budge. So wow. that's when I was like, okay, I'm done with you. Yeah. You have a bad string of luck with, physicians that's for sure can i ask a question is it you mm-hmm. i always it like probably the, is <laughs> i mean are, do you have like um i don't mean this poorly because 
but do you like do you start off on the wrong foot do you think you put people on the defensive and then they kind of give you or do you go in there and let them talk and like what's your vibe when you see a new doctor yes so i definitely do better with men male physicians do you know why i think sometimes women see me as like a threat kind of overbearing because i am intelligent and i'm not afraid to like ask questions so like I was brought up in a home where you just authority was always like, Oh yes, yes, yes. You just take everything that the person says. And then probably, you know, in my, I don't know, mid thirties, I started to question like, okay, I know you're a doctor and you're supposed to be like smart and all this stuff, but you don't know everything, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and I definitely am a person that does research. So yeah, I could see where, like I put people off because I know my parents get uncomfortable when I go to the doctor with them. And then I speak up and say something on their behalf and they're like, oh. and then the doctor will be like, no, that's a good question. Yeah, you know? there's, there's a difference between asking good questions and giving people the feeling like you're not listening. Yeah. You know, because you feel like, you know, and right. it's just, I mean, it's a tough thing. I do my best to, I sit back and listen. And even when I have thoughts, I'm just like, well, I'm going to let this person finish talking because otherwise, I mean, you run the risk of a couple of things. You run the risk of giving them the impression you're not really there for their help. And then they're like, well, if you're not here to listen to what I have to say, then what's the point of this? And I think you can also kind of turn people off sometimes if you have answers and they're just like, wow, like that person came to me, but they knew already, like, you know, juicy box. And so, yeah. um, and then that rubs people, that can rub some people the wrong. You also meet doctors who are like, oh, that's brilliant. I'm glad you brought that up. Or, you know, it, it, yeah. it's a lot of personality stuff that, that I don't think we consider, like when we're going yeah. to doctors, that you're still having a human interaction with somebody. And that, Yeah. And I think yeah. I've always been like socially awkward anyway. So, you know, I noticed like throughout my lifetime, like I told you before, I, I get along better with men and even boys when I was younger than I do with women. And especially women that have like um, low self-esteem, like they just automatically hate me. And I don't know if it's just the way I carry myself or. Janet, do those women have anything in common with your mom? Just one of my aunts. Is that what you mean? Or? No, I mean, in general, like do the women that you don't do well with, are they reminiscent of your mom's personality? No, not at all. Not at my all. mom's a very loving, caring, non-judgmental individual. Okay. So I think, you know, I always tell people that I hang out with, like, if, or if I have to work with them, especially, you know, like, you need to be, like, blunt with me. Because, like, if you don't say, hey, you know what? I hate you and I think you're being a, you know, mm-hmm. a witch right now, right? I don't, I don't pick up on those social cues. I think everything's just fine because I don't read into every situation. And I think that's why I get along with men better because men are much more, most men are much better communicators when it comes to like, I need this done. And, and so then you don't like, you don't like picking through people's feelings to figure out what they want. You just want somebody to say say it. Gotcha. All right. But I'm always respectful. I always, I, you know, I ran my business, you know, respect, professionalism, you know, consistency, Mm -hmm and fairness, but I don't have the time to coddle people. And I think that's where 
I think that's where I have my issues where I always say please and thank you. It's not that I'm not, it's not that I'm rude. Um, it's just a self-assurance that, that some people can't, you know, I'm, I think, you know, I was a natural born leader. (laughs) So people just naturally followed me no matter what. And even if I didn't want them to, and I don't, I don't know like what's happened, but I, I did recognize that around 2021, you know, I had an aunt say like, you know, you're so intimidating. And I'm also like, oh my gosh, I just think I'm the nicest person ever. And apparently you're you're intimidating. Yes. They, people see me. I hear that a lot. People see me as intimidating. Are you, are you brash? "Mm, I think I'm direct. Why, why, why won't you play the human game? What, what is it you're trying to avoid? You know, it's almost like I don't think about it. Like, like I don't, I don't, I have a very, I, 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 I rarely cry. I rarely get super excited. I'm just very like cool. Mm-hmm. Like, and my husband always says like, you're, I love you because like, and it sounds weird, but he's like, you're like a, a man's mentality in a, in a woman's body <laughs> <laughs> because I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like to play those games. If you got something to say, just say it. But the problem is, is that's how I am too. And that doesn't always sit well with others. I think I understand. I do. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Are there? So um, when it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. So when I have a, a woman physician, it seems to usually go that way. Interesting. <laughs> Is there anything we haven't talked about that you wanted to cover? I just think that just because, you know, I, I think I mentioned it before. Um, if when you're later in life and you and you're experiencing, you know, diabetes situation, and you're not in DKA, because that's mm-hmm. the other thing. If you're in DKA, there's, they tend to, like, you know, follow the dots. But if you're not, don't just automatically let them tell you, oh, you're overweight and you're type 2, yeah. and go down that road. You know, force them to at least do the peptides and all the tests that need to be done to make sure that that they are. Because all that, all that medicine that I took was for not, and it was a lot of money. And a lot of time and probably did more damage to me, you know, no, not as much honeymoon period as I should have gotten maybe. Hmm. Um, so just stand up for yourself and make sure you educate yourself. And, yeah. But do it in a way where you don't put people off. Yeah. Don't do it Janet's way. Try <laughs> to find that nice, warm, fuzzy kind of way. Well, to... you've been that way with me, like, yeah, <laughs> but I'm a guy and I'm direct. So you're, yeah. okay, you're okay with me. Yeah. Interesting. See how that works? Uh, I mean, yeah. I was just wondering. I like you to say it out loud so other people can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> That's unfortunate. How much of that part of your personality is why you're not in Mexico? I would say a lot. I would say 95%. Janet, who is your own worst enemy? Uh, I think myself. It might be you. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah. So what? I'm learning. You're learning? <laughs> I am learning. Janet, we're running out of time here. <laughs> we got to get moving. <laughs> yeah, I know. But so tell me something. Um, what's your perfect scenario? Like for your living situation? Start there. Like, where do you wish you were? Who do you wish was with you? You know, I I, I feel like I'm where I want to be at this point in time. Mm-hmm. If, if my son were to move out of state, I would probably follow him. Um, I don't want to live with him, but I'd like to live near him and his wife and, you know, maybe potential future kids. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the relationship I have with my husband where he comes and goes right now. Cause I think it gives me time to 
you know, take care of me more than worrying about other people. I yeah. want to, I want to take care of Janet now so that I can be here in the future. Okay. All right. So, so you like where you are, but you want to live near your son. Yeah. And your husband and your relationship, you like it the way it is. And yeah, the, and, the, right and the distance doesn't, you can afford to travel, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Like yes. if somebody wants to go one way or the other, it's not a big burden for anybody. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we're both retired and we're good. Yeah. As far as that. So. Interesting. It's all very interesting. I appreciate you coming on and sharing all this with me. I really do. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, one last thing I just want to say too is, you know, those people that are GAD 65 positive and are experienced like this just weird pain <laughs> out of nowhere and this constant, uh, um, you know, where you have these spasms and stuff, you know, go forward and, and, and try to find the answer because it could be stiff person. It could not be stiff person. It's very rare, but at least, you know, don't give up like I did for so many years and just, and just suffer. Yeah. Um, so Who, which doctor do you see for that again? I see a doctor down in Kaiser, a neuro, a neuromuscular specialist. And would that doctor give you a medical marijuana card? Oh yeah, because I just asked I just asked him if it was possible for him to give me a letter to change. I have two bathtub shower tub situations in the house that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of like tripped and fallen, you know, like last with all this coldness. And so he gave me a letter to like medically needed uh, you know, a, a walk-in shower. So I'm sure he would give me because I think he knows too, like, I mean, I'm really weird about the volume situation. So that I'm only going to do something that I think that I potentially need. Janet, so. it looks like you want the Department of Cannabis Control, California, <laughs> cannabis.ca.gov. Um, <laughs> and then eligible medical conditions. One of them is persistent medical spasms. For example, spasms caused by MS. I think what mm-hmm. you have falls right under there. You fill out the yeah. application, gather your supporting documents, make an appointment with your county health department, go to your appointment, wait for 35 days for your approval. Yep. That's it. Yeah, because it's definitely on the federal list of compassionate uh, disabilities. Me, so could you, just you can not- you can you can name this po- the podcast. You can potentially future pothead Janet. <laughs> future pothead. <laughs> See, I think that's it. Though is like that idea because of the time you were born in it, you'll become like whatever a pothead is. Like somebody who's just constantly burned out and high and, yeah. and upset. When I'm that's not what I'm talking about. I think you would you would use this like you would. Uh, I don't know, sip on a sports drink to keep your blood sugar up while you were running, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing, like just maintenance, like a, like a, like a vitamin almost. <laughs> if this happens, yeah, like, you'll send me a note, right? Yeah. Okay. Wait, I, I'll send, I'll, I'm going to send you a note too and, and share with you my uh, maiden name and you'll get a kick out of it. So. <laughs> well, you can tell me after we shot the recording, but um, I want to, uh, you can't just ask your Son for weed? You don't think that would just work? Oh, God, no. My son is more square than me. Woo. Oh, yeah. I see. I see, I see, I see. The husband's got to have weed on the beach, no? Well, yeah, I mean, it's plentiful down there. You um, can walk. So- I could probably walk through the neighborhood and get a high, a contact high. Well, there you go. <laughs> Here, here's the least technical thing I'll ever say to a person. I think you got to <laughs> chill out a little bit. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> It seems to me that it's my crochet group. You know, uh, you know, you're not, 
need it. I mean, you're the only person I've ever talked to who decided to crochet for relaxation, but then couldn't follow the rules and made all the knots (laughs) tight. Like you're literally turning the crochet into yourself. You're like tighter, tighter. (laughs) It was bad. It was bad. I don't want liquid to pass through this afghan. (laughs) (laughs) And it just looked horrendous. They were just like, okay, yeah, this isn't for you. (laughs) It probably folded up on itself. It was so tight. Oh, my God. All right. Well, Janelle, I enjoyed talking to you. I, uh, I, me too. I, I appreciate great. this very much. Hold on a second okay. for me, okay? Okay. Okay. A huge thanks to Janet for coming on the show today and sharing her story. And I'd like to thank Omnipod and Dexcom. First, Omnipod. Omnipod.com slash juicebox. Go there. See if you can get a free trial. Learn more about Dash or Five. You know, get going with the best, the brightest, the greatest, the Omnipod. After that, Dexcom.com slash Juicebox. Thank you so much to Dexcom for being longtime sponsors of the Juicebox podcast. Learn more and get started today at Dexcom.com slash Juicebox. There are links in the show notes and links at JuiceboxPodcast.com to Dexcom and Omnipod and all the sponsors. If you have type 2 or pre-diabetes, the Type 2 Diabetes Pro Tip Series from the Juicebox Podcast is exactly what you're looking for. Do you have a friend or a family member who is struggling to understand their type 2 and how to manage it? This series is for them. Seven episodes to get you on track and up to speed. Episode 860, Series Intro. 864, Guilt and Shame. Episode 869, Medical Team. 874, Fueling Plan. Episode 880, Diabetes Technology. Episode 885, GLP-1s, Metformin, and Insulin. And in episode 889, we talk about movement. This episode is with me and Jenny Smith. Of course, you know Jenny is a certified diabetes care and education specialist. She's a registered and licensed dietitian. And Jenny has had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years. Too many people don't understand their type 2 diabetes. And this series aims to fix that. Share it with a friend or get started today.